Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen, and Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley. And today we have a very special guest, Kenny Hollingsworth. He's a good old North Carolina boy, and not only that, but he also won the Train to Hunt PA Masters Men's this year, 
he then carried that over into a very successful uh, elk hunt out west, and he is a Bowtech pro staffer and an all-around great dude, so do me a favor and welcome him to the show. Kenny, how are you doing today? Hey, great, Will. Good to be on here, buddy. How you been lately? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm uh, Now that hunting season's over and that didn't go so well for me, I'm uh, readjusting my schedule and my priorities, uh, making shooting this winter a little more structured than last winter. You know, I got my eye on some goals this year, and uh, we'll see how it works out. How about you, man? You uh, coming back to play the Train to Hunt game this year? Absolutely, buddy. I got the... Uh New bows in from Bowtech uh, for 2017. I uh, found out when I entered the uh, Train to Hunt in PA last year that I needed to do a lot more 3D shooting. I kind of uh, was hoping to rely on my fitness to get through it and my past experience shooting 3D, but you find out if you're not judging yardage on a regular basis that you lose that ability. So uh, it was more of a having to come from behind, and so I've got it in my mind to practice a whole lot more on uh, judging yardage and 3D events before that comes up this year in addition to the fitness side of it. And what are you doing for uh, to improve your 3D skills? Well right now in the winter time uh, I haven't shot anything outdoor yet. Hunting season is still kind of going so I just come downstairs I've got a uh, 10 yard range set up in the basement and I just shoot you know concentrate on uh, getting a good release and you know good form and getting used to the new bow. Um, Shooting one of the uh, new Fanatic 3.0s this year, I think, for competition. So it's a true target bow, and uh, that'll be something new as well. I was just using the hunting setup in the past, so uh, I'll try a target setup this year and see how that works out for me. Now, are you going to hunt with that bow too, or you're just going to use it for the train to hunt style competitions? I'm going to use it for the train to hunt style competition, but I've actually got it set up to where you know if I wanted to hunt with it, I could, but I'm I don't have plans to do that. It's it's got a blue riser on it and everything, so it's going to be a competition bow that I can dedicate just to that. So whenever the uh, 3D season kicks off here in North and South Carolina next month, then I plan on shooting a couple of the uh, competitions, like probably at least two a month anyway, in addition to just practicing at home. So but, uh, that. That riser is what five inches longer than the new uh, Rain Six. It is. is it's right? uh, the uh, axle. The axle on that bow is thirty-seven point seven five inches. On the uh, I've got the uh, the three point the standard, mm -hmm. and so it goes to twenty-four to twenty-nine inch draw, which I have a uh, twenty-eight and a half inch draw, so that works out good for me. And um, but the weight's the same on it and the XL as well as the axle axle length. The only difference really between the two is the uh, brace height is a little bit shorter on the 29 on the standard, and mm -hmm. so you get a little bit more speed out. But uh, the weight's about 4.7 pounds, so it's not a real heavy bow. And I've got it set up light lighter than I would if I was going to have it as a true target bow. So I've got my hunting stabilizers on there and that type of thing. Right, right. Now, what were you shooting last year for competition? I shot a uh, Bowtech BTX-31, that was my hunting bow, and uh, so I just went a straight, straight up hunting setup on that one and uh, took it straight to the elk woods come September when we went out to New Mexico. All I did was change out the arrows and reside it in. So you're thinking maybe uh, you're going to join the best of both worlds using that Fanatic this year? Get a little bit I of that so. longer height on it, a little more stable bow, and then uh, keep that low weight and speed of a hunting bow? With right. the accessories? 
I think that's uh, that's the uh, the road I'm trying to take with it. I think it'll work out pretty well, especially with the uh, the format the way it is on Train to Hunt coming up this year. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too big of a deal with the extra maybe extra pound of weight that this bow is going to have over the uh, the rain or the BTX either one. And it may not even be quite a pound. It may be more like three quarters of a pound even. And even so, if you can make up uh, with better shooting, you know, it's worth that. It might be worth that extra pound with that trade-off. I think so. I mean, uh, uh, my come from behind win in PA was a slim margin. Uh, so I was behind after the shooting by close to 10 points. So if I can make up, you know, even five of those points, uh, then it'll be worth it, in my opinion. Because it's a really tight game. I mean, there's a lot of competition in that. And uh, if you shoot bad, it's really hard to uh, outwork a bad score. And it is. You can put yourself in a big, big hurt coming off that 3D course, you know, if you're not shooting well. Do you notice a difference already going from a hunting bow to a target bow? Uh, I think so. I haven't gotten out to where I can shoot any long distance with it yet. Just the weather hasn't been that great, and I really hadn't taken the time to do it. I hadn't had the bow, but only a couple of weeks now. So uh, for just from shooting close range, 20 yards and in, the bow seems to really hold solid and just seems to sit on, on point after you shoot. So uh, that's real important, I think, as far as uh, follow-through. You can be more precise. I dropped a few points last year in different 3D events and also during Train to Hunt just from, uh, you know, millimeters you know line cutters normally so right uh, right just that little bit could come down to your release in a lot of situations what are you going to run for an arrow setup you going to go target arrow i am i'm running the uh, gold tip uh, pro 22s again all right that's yeah, uh, what i used last year uh, i like to hunt with a heavier arrow with a smaller diameter typically but um, that's a great target arrow i think and it's really consistent it seems to do well. Plus, a little bit fatter arrow, so uh, helps you cut that line a little bit better if it comes down to it. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's all it, all it takes. Absolutely. Uh, uh, this does hold well, though, on those, uh, you know, the 30-second shoots that we've got on the train to hunt and holding a long period of time. And um, having referenced that, that really paid off for me practicing this summer of holding my draw for a long time. I was trying to hold it for at least a minute before I took the shot. And that really came into play, as we'll talk about later on my uh, elk hunt. I had to hold my foot, my draw for a long time on that one. Let's uh, let's talk about train to hunt a little bit. This was your first year. They're expanding. They're coming to your home state. What would you recommend for people who are thinking of going out and doing this for the first time? Well, that's a good question. It has came up to me quite a bit by some of my friends that are uh, wanting to do competitions this year. They asked me what they should work on the most. Um, well, I really think that you can't ignore the shooting aspect of it from what we just talked about. You really need to uh, set targets up at unknown distances and get good at judging yardage. Get that score at least uh, at least average. You know, you don't need to be any more than five or six points behind the leader if you're trying to win. Uh, if you're going for just a good time, then you know, still the same thing. Everybody wants to do as good as they possibly can. But on the fitness side of it, I think you should really uh, get a good pack or a good ruck, you know, put 35 or 40 pounds in it and really spend some time under that ruck. I mean, that's where you need to be uh, doing uh, step ups, lunges, any type of training program involves some heels and a little bit of running or, you know, basically just a ruck run, a shuffle, that type of thing. You get used to that uh, pack being on your back. 
even though the meat pack's been changed this year, uh, it's still important to be under that ruck and to do those uh, workouts that really build your calf muscles and, uh, and, your, and your thighs. What do you think of those changes? They uh, shortened the meat pack, dropped the weight, made it all one day, shortened all the courses really, uh, made it kind of a, uh, what would you call the challenge course now? It's more of a uh, interval run, if you will. Right, right. How do you uh, think that's going to play to you? Honestly, uh, I think they, and I haven't done one yet, nobody has to really know, but it, it really seems to me like they've made the competition easier this year. Um, that doesn't mean that I think I've got a better chance of winning again. I think That means I think everyone has a better chance of winning again. Um, just because when you take out a, an 80 to 100 pound meat pack out of an event that was a major killer right there i mean that was an equalizer if you didn't train there's no getting around moving an 80 to 100 pound pack for a mile or mile and a half there's just no way around that um i think back in pa had we not had that event it would have been a different outcome overall i think uh, having two separate events and one that hard really gave me a chance to uh, make up ground during that event and other people too I saw it. I saw it on the team events, and I saw it on the uh, uh, even in the open division. That meat pack really made a difference on uh, you know change, people changing positions. So you know, I'm glad it's a one day event now. That's a big deal. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to giving it a try to see how it turns out. How does your training play? Like, what's your day to day training look like? Well, I uh, I've joined a program through Train Heroic. Uh, called Softleet. And Softleet's comprised of a group of special operations, uh, active duty and former military soldiers that uh, incorporated some of their training aspects into a program that anyone can join month to month with no contract, that type. And they have a strength program and a stamina program. And I'm a member of the stamina program. And it's a six day a week program with two, with a, well, really five day a week, two recovery days, one on Wednesday, one on Sunday. But um, that particular program involves a lot of cardio, but it also works on building up your leg muscles and your anaerobic abilities. And I think that really plays into the train to hunt competition, especially now coming up this year with the extra running that you're going to have to do. And if, you know, if I read the rules right, you've got probably. 12 to 1600 meters on the interval runs in between, you know, by the time you do your four uh, shots, and then you've got a two mile uh, challenge course with two extra shots with the 50 pound pack on your back. So you're going to have to be able to, uh, to run maybe more so than you had to last year. You've got to be able to get that cardio and that anaerobic ability built up. And that stamina program is a 12 week cycle that builds towards that objective. Um, you know, it starts off uh, one week with squats and pull-ups and, you know, different things along those lines and your step-ups and your lunges. And then each week it adds a different stamina workout, whether it's a sled push or a sled pull or a, or a one-mile run or six 800-meter runs, things like that, to really get you uh, used to that uh, cardio and I think if you really, if I really stick to that program, which sometimes it's tough to really stick to it to the letter, um, I think it'll really pay off. I know you train a lot, I believe, at the CrossFit and different things. You know, you have to really stick to the program for it to work. If you kind of halfway do it, then you don't really get the full result out of it. No, that's for sure. I think even 
doing a program like you say half halfway not doing it a hundred percent or not and say ninety percent or better right because everybody has a sick day now and then right, uh, right. you'll get less than half the results right you know? really only have time to train four days a week I really don't have the time to train five days a week and especially not six days a week so I really mm -hmm. got those four days that I'm out there training uh, really try to stick to the program as close as I possibly can so I try to train on Monday Tuesday and Thursday and Friday mm -hmm. uh, Wednesday if I do anything on Wednesday it's a light day that's that's made for swimming or rowing or something along those lines and uh, some days I do those and some days I don't but uh, the other four days when it comes to the running part of it, especially now with it being wintertime, you really have to dig deep and, and go out there in the dark and the cold and, and do that running, and it's tough to do sometimes. It is tough, and it takes a lot of mental strength, not unlike hunting, where even if you're in a stand, it may require more mental strength to sit in a stand all day on a dark, dreary, cold-ass day, and when, you know, you could be somewhere warm with your family or doing something else you know you really got to have that mental fortitude to sit out the hunt and i think that gets overlooked a lot and people think hunting's easy you know because maybe you're sitting there all day but guess what that takes a lot more determination than a lot of other things i've ever done in my life <laughs> that's for sure all they gotta do is look at the weather forecast in the midwest right now <laughs> yeah exactly bad news out there right now Exactly. There's no, there's no, I would say, quote unquote, easy hunt. Or I've never had an easy hunt. You know, right. I don't know if you have, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought I was going on an easy hunt in Texas last year between Christmas and New Year's. And uh, so we arrived in uh, Dallas airport and it was 85 degrees on Saturday. And then overnight, the temperature dropped down below 30, seven to eight inches of snow, ice, uh, power was out. And this is, uh, the panhandle of Texas. That's not supposed to happen, I didn't think. so. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that could happen anywhere in Texas. <laughs> we were three hours west of Dallas and stuck in an ice and snowstorm with no power. I never would have guessed it. How'd, so, uh, how'd it end? Uh, well, uh, I could have shot a couple of bucks. Just didn't see quite the one we were looking for, but there was three of us, two of us you know, killed bucks and uh, a couple of pigs. So it really turned out to be a great overall hunt. The only reason I didn't shoot one on that particular hunt was my own choice. I was trying to uh, um, bow well, hunt, trying to find one you know a little bigger than I should have been. I understand. Uh, we've all made that mistake, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> What's the saying? Don't uh, don't pass up a deer on the first day you shoot on the last day. Yes, that's hundred percent correct. <laughs> 100% correct. What? But honestly, I, I'm glad not to have to be sitting out in that minus 10, minus 14 degree weather that some of the people are doing right now to bow hunt this weekend. That's Ooh, you got that right. Yes. I. Uh, what do you? Th what to you is the most important aspect of hunting? Uh, well, you mentioned the mental side of it, uh, and that really, that really hits home there. My Kentucky hunt this year. I do a lot of hunting on public land, and uh, Kentucky whitetail hunt, I try to spend a week every year hunting on public land, and, and sometimes it's a challenge. Last year, I uh, shot a nice deer on the third day, saw lots of deer. This year, when I got to the place I was hunting at, it seemed like the hunting pressure was a lot higher this year. There weren't many deer around, didn't hardly see anything, and ended up filling my tag on the last hour of the last day of day seven. So it's just sitting from daylight to dark during the rut, the mental aspect is really important but even besides that if you've got the mental aspect down you really have to do your homework to find a good place to hunt i mean you can't kill a big deer or even just a deer if you're talking archery hunting 
just anywhere. Uh, you really have to put your time in and your homework in to really try to find an area that uh, has what you're looking for. You know, hunting pressure being the biggest thing, if you can find a way to get away from the hunting pressure, that takes a lot of uh, homework. Or if you're lucky enough to know someone that lives in the area that you hunt that'll help you out, that's great, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. I know if you're away in PA, lots of public land, lots of hunters. So you, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You in New York know. State, we're like one of the top three worst states to hunt, I think they say. Is that where you're, you're in New York? Yeah, upstate New York, and uh, it's tough. It can be tough. Yeah, that's a lot of big woods and cold weather up that way, seems like. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, but that, in my mind, I think um, is, is part of it. I mean, besides, you know, being in good shape and being able to go out and cover the miles to hunt and get your deer out of the woods and get away from people, uh, you really have to have the right mindset to uh, uh, to be able to stick with it it would have been easy to come home after day three or day four and decide, hey, it's too hot and the deer aren't moving. But I knew a cold front was coming in toward the end of the week, so I just had to stick with it and hope it paid off. Had to stay strong. Right. And you get away from your family and uh, work and things like that. It's always in the back of your mind every day. You know, I could be home making some money. I could be seeing my kids, uh, that type of thing. And uh, uh, so it really get to thinking about all that because you have plenty of time in the tree to let it all sit in, settle in anyway. What else you could be doing? <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of time to second guess yourself. Absolutely. That's for sure. Absolutely. So um, you went out west yeah, this I, year? Yes, I uh, drew a tag in New Mexico, which, you know, it was really amazing because um, I drew a tag in southern New Mexico in the Gila in 2015. And I tried for several years. There's not a preference point system out there, so it's just luck of the draw every year. Very low odds, probably under 2% to draw a tag. So I drew a tag there, and I didn't get an elk there in an area that I thought was going to be a given. I knew I was going to have to work hard, but I didn't get one. I, I missed a couple of times, uh, you know, both times just doing kind of dumb things that you lessons you should learn years ago in your hunting world, hunting career, and have to learn them over again sometimes, unfortunately. But uh, this year, I applied for that same area and didn't draw, but I had a backup area in northern New Mexico and uh, and, and drew the tag as a third choice. It's a non-trophy area. I've never been there before. And so, uh, but I figured anywhere in New Mexico is going to be a great opportunity. So, turns out that my friend Jeff from northern California, you know, he drew the same tag. So, uh, there was a friend of his that uh, he'd kind of met on I guess on both sites on one of the hunting forums and um, uh, that lived in New Mexico, but we had, had neither one of us had no idea where the guy lived at. And so it turns out he lived close to the unit that we drew and he had been there before. So he kind of gave us an idea of where to start at. So um, we started looking at Google Earth and trying to find water tanks. And it was second season in September. So we knew that you know, the rut should be going pretty well. But we also knew it's still going to be warm, so the water tanks will probably pay off as a kind of a dry year this year. So uh, we started doing our homework on finding an area, and um, and it really paid off. We we drove out this year to uh, to New Mexico and and found an area to camp, and we were into bulls right away. <coughs> but, um, so, so uh, then what happened when you get out there? Well, Jeff got out there a day before I did. His drive from uh, Northern California 
I think he said it's 14 or 15 hours. Mine was about a 25-hour drive, so he got there before me, and he was able to hunt it the first day of the season in the afternoon. And uh, so when I got into camp, probably right at two hours after dark, he came wandering in. He was all excited and told me that he'd been in bulls all evening but just couldn't close the deal. And uh, so I was really ecstatic then. I already had my tent set up and all my gear laid out and checked to make sure that my bow was ready. I didn't get a chance to shoot at any, but I uh, checked everything. I had all my uh, marks on my sights and rest and everything. Nothing moved. I felt like I was really good to go. So early the next morning, we, uh, you know, got up and, and were able to uh, take the truck to drive to uh, a top of another mountain that we'd found on the topo map and uh, just found a little access road that we could barely get on. We had to drive over quite a few rocks and potholes and go around some logs and things like that. But we managed to get in a position where Jeff had heard a few bugles that night and then uh so we waited till it got first light and started walking in and we didn't hear any bugles so we just kind of headed off in a general direction that thought looked good on the map and went down a big canyon and so we probably got about two miles from the truck maybe and uh and heard a bugle way way off in the distance so um there wasn't anything else going on so we both decided just to head towards the bugle and so the more ground we covered the more bugles we started hearing, realized that there was probably three bulls on the same ridge. And so we started, you know, practically sprinting our way over there. I don't even know how many miles at the time that we were covering. It was quite a distance, though. We finally made it over there, and we were able to uh, get on the same ridge as the three bulls were. And we spotted a cow just basically ghosting through some openings and uh, heard the bugles right behind it. And so we rushed up, and I told Jeff, I said, hey, go ahead and you know, get up there and get in position and, uh, you know, get, and he was like, no, buddy, you go right ahead. He said, I want to see you get one, you know, and so he let me go first, you know, amazingly. And, uh, we had no idea how big any of the bulls were that, that were up there. We just knew that they were coming and it really didn't matter to us any decent bull we were going to shoot. So, uh, I didn't even have a chance to call. As soon as I got in position, I could see antlers coming through the, the trees and the cow walked right in front of me and she stopped at about what I'd ranged as an opening about 39 yards and she stopped and stood broadside in that opening looking right at me. And Jeff was just behind me about 15 yards and all three bulls are coming up the ridge screaming at the same time. And so the bull I saw, when I saw it, I couldn't believe how big it was, but I tried not to look at the antlers after that. <laughs> I was like, uh, well, let's just hope he comes on in this opening right here and see what happens and uh, follows this cow. So eventually the cow decided that uh, I probably wasn't a threat she walks off and stops but she's still within sight of me but the bull he's just eventually in the wide open at like 25 yards but i, could, I didn't have a shot I, there was a scrub up beside me that i couldn't shoot through i was on one side and he was on the other side just screaming away and uh so i was starting to you know kind of get really really nervous as you can imagine you mentioned the buck fever earlier when we talked but uh it was definitely setting in well, eventually the uh, bull started to walk toward my opening at 39 yards. Well, he was about three steps away and I came to full draw and he stopped and decided to scream a couple more times at the other bulls that were moving in. And so I was at full draw, it seemed like forever, I, as long as I've ever held at full draw before. But I was on my knees, so I was able to um, uh, drop the bow down on my cat, on my thigh. And hold the cam pressure against it to keep it from uh, so I could stay at full draw. Well, he finally uh, took the last two steps that I needed and got into the opening, and I 
you know, lifted the bow up and made the shot. And, and Jeff estimated I was at full draw for close to two minutes. Holy like a, cow. <laughs> never held it full draw that long, but I did make a good shot. Got it right in behind the shoulder. And, um, you know, he didn't go far, maybe 35 or 40 yards and piled up. And I was just stoked. I couldn't believe it. Um, ended up being my biggest bull ever. Only my third bull, period. But he ended up gross scoring just over 350, 350 and two weights. Um, nothing official on that. That was just our measurements, but uh, it was a monster. <laughs> he looked like a huge boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we couldn't believe it. He just got bigger as we walked up to him. Um, but top it all off, uh, you know, we were in bulls every single day, and uh, Jeff on day six ended up, uh, I called in a nice six-by-six six for him, and biggest bull he had ever taken. So it ended up we both got, you know, great bulls, and um, uh Hunted six and a half days, and and then you know we're on our way back. So you couldn't ask for it to win any better than that. It really turned out great. No, you really can't. If would you say your uh, train to hunt training paid off? Uh, yeah, I would say so because uh, on the pack out on my bull by GPS from the time we left the truck till we brought our last load of over a hundred pounds on our back, we went sixteen point six one miles. And. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we were, we were hurting, and um, part of that was our own fault because we uh, tried to take a shortcut, which you should never do that. If you know the way back, you need to go the way back. <laughs> so uh, the, luckily, the shortcut was uh, without weight on our back, just getting back to where um, where our bull was, where the bull was at. But um, we had four four loads, anywhere from 100 to 125 pounds, I'd say, and um, those loads we were going probably three to three and a half miles each way with it. So uh, um, total almost 17 miles. And uh, mental toughness really uh, played a big part on that as well as, you know, our legs were killing us. Um, it wasn't for that training all summer long, you know, with that heavy weight and stuff, that meat pack we were talking about earlier on the train to hunt, I mean, uh, that it really come into play right there, you know. When you add mountains and elevation and on top of that 9,000 feet and stuff, I couldn't have done that 10 years ago, even though I was younger. <laughs> and holding your bow back for two minutes, oof. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Oof, uh, and still making the shot. That's what counts. Yeah. It's not how but, long you hold it back, it's finishing it. I, you know, I don't know if I read it in a, in, a, in a hunting magazine or saw it on TV or somebody gave the tip one time to uh, press that cam down against your thigh. So I've done that a couple of times in the past, but nowhere near for that kind of time frame. But uh, I don't remember who... Uh, who said that first or who I got the tip from, but, uh, that really made the difference on that. But, um, you know, normally, uh, you know, you, your, your average bow shot you do in under 30 seconds and probably under 15 seconds. I mean, most of the time you draw and shoot if it's whitetail hunting or something. And, uh, that holding it full draw for a long period of time just hardly comes into play. Uh, you know, elk hunting, it seems like it always comes into play though. Or if you're stalking a mule deer or something like that, you know, it seems like uh, uh, you end up in the western hunts in more of a long draw situation. And a longer shot, too. And it only takes that, you know, one, whether it's a doe or a cow, whatever you're hunting, you know, to just spot you for one second when you're at that full draw. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to be there for a while. Right, right. Yeah, even if you only need to move, 
you know, a few inches to get that shot of the of the animal moving. If if there's something got you pegged, a doe or a cow, either one, uh, you know, they can blow the whole gig for you, no doubt about it. Oh yeah. Now <laughs> we've all and we've all been there. We've all been in that one situation where I think we even let uh, weakness maybe get the better of us, where we flinched or we moved or we drew down, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're gone, taken right. off. And you learn real quick, don't do that again. Yeah, yeah. Now, with my 2015 hunt, that I mentioned some of the lessons that I'd learned, that revolved around not drawing my bow soon enough. Um, I don't know if I could or couldn't have held it full draw for that period of time, not two minutes, certainly, but uh, probably could have held 30 or 40 seconds you know, a year ago. But uh, there was two situations early in the hunt in 2015 that I had bulls in range but just didn't quite have a shot yet. And I waited till they were in my shooting lane and then drew my bow. But a, a bull, you just can't seem to, some people might be able to, but I haven't been successful in being able to stop a bull like you can a whitetail or something like that. Any kind of noise you make, they just want to keep on walking, seems like. And uh, um, if I'd been at full draw earlier and waited on that those bulls to come in this position, I might could have killed one in 2015, but instead I end up missing two and not even getting a shot at two others. Mm. It all came down to, uh, well, one in particular, there was a friend of ours was calling for me in 2015. He called a bull in. I was behind a cedar tree, and I was expecting it to come out at about 30 yards on the left side of the cedar tree, and next thing you know, it walks out on my right about 12 yards away, and uh, nothing I can do whatsoever. It wasn't a full draw, so I decided, well, I'm just going to try to turn and draw my bow and uh, hope he don't run off. Well, he, he ended up running off about 60 or 65 yards and stopped, and I shot underneath it. But had I been at full draw to begin with, then maybe, I don't know, maybe I could have uh, had time to get an arrow off, you know, on a mm -hmm. quick shot. Uh, uh, blew it. <laughs> Should have, could have, would have, huh? Yeah, exactly. So now I've decided, you know, I'm going to be at full draw. If I have to let down, I have to let down, but I'm going to be at full draw now. <laughs> next. <laughs> Better to be prepared. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, One yeah. second. I'm just going to pause this, take a quick pee, and I'll be right back. All right, sounds good. All right, trying to stay so, hydrated. Uh, <laughs> hey, brother. So, uh, um, yeah, obviously this is the first one of these that I've done. So I don't know uh, if there's something you want me to address specifically. Or, no, you're uh, doing great, man. We're covering 
We're hitting everything. Good. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where you want to move to next, but uh, just get me on the subject, and I'm sure I can find something to talk about. <laughs> oh, exactly. I'm not worried. All right, so switching gears here a little bit, you are a Bowtech pro staffer, and I happen to know that is one of the harder pro staffs to get on. How do you uh, go about doing that, and why Bowtech? Okay, well... Um... There was another bow company that I was a member of several years back. It was a new startup company, and uh, I, uh, you know, met some of the uh, people that actually worked at the factory and stuff out of Michigan, and uh, uh, kind of, you know, really got into the promoting promoting a certain brand of bow. And that particular bow company sold. The name changed. The staff went away. And at that point, which was two years ago. I decided, okay, what do I want to do? You know, do I want to keep trying to uh, be on a promotional staff for a company? Uh, first of all, what bow do I even want to shoot? So I, I really liked uh, the concepts that, that, that Bowtex had with their overdrive binary cams and, and just the look of their bows and, you know, word of mouth. So I started shooting a few bows around different brands and decided I really liked uh, the Bowtech bows. So I've uh, been a member of Mossy Oaks uh, Whitetail, Regional Whitetail Hunting Staff for the last six years. And we had a program partnership with Bowtech at the time. Uh, so gave me the opportunity to, uh, to shoot one or two of their bows and, and get an idea and kind of work from the Mossy Oak side of it because they're a Mossy Oak partner. So I was able to buy a RPM 360 and uh, shoot that bow and hunt with it for a season. And then that first year was kind of a trial thing. They uh, took applications in October that following year for their new pro staff members, just like they always do. But they haven't had anybody new really, you know, in the last year. But they had the opportunity going in for a few new positions. So I sent a resume in and put everything that I possibly could on there about the type of hunting that I'd done and the year that I'd spent using their bows and, and uh, trying to get the feel of their technology and everything. And fortunately, I uh, was one of the few that was selected that particular year. And uh, that was last year going into uh, 2016, just in time for the BTX to be released. And uh, so it was good timing. It was, uh, you know, uh, a great bow and it was easy to shoot, the RPM, I mean. And uh, it was just good timing. They were, they were looking to add a few staff members and I was lucky enough to be selected for their hunting staff. I mean, they've got a great... Uh, target staff that I know I could never compete on that side of it. I mean, there's professional archers, top-notch, but they uh, started the hunting promotional staff from their factory, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected, and I felt like I was qualified enough from some of the hunts that I'd done and places that i go to really spread the word across the whole United States, not just the southeast because of the traveling that, I, that I'd done, Canada and the western states, even in the southeast too. So it was a great time more than anything. Uh, I don't think it was a situation where um, they thought I was some great hunter or anything like that. <laughs> I think it's just a matter <laughs> of uh, being able to uh, to get the word out on their bows in different areas, and it uh, just worked out great for both of us. And So fortunately, this year, they uh, gave me an opportunity to sign a three-year contract with them, so uh, it's locked in for the next three years now. Oh, that's nice. And, uh, so really excited about that. It gives me a chance to, uh, you know... <laughs> Try all the new bows each time, and 
uh, really be able to uh, spread the word about them. And more importantly, I like shooting the bows. I wouldn't feel confident uh, promoting something that I didn't believe in myself. So uh, they've been really great for me, and, and I'll stick with them as long as they are, you know. Now, I've seen them uh, share some of your content from the Train to Hunt competitions. Have they uh, mentioned at all building up some kind of contingency program if you were to continue winning them, anything like that? Well, for Train the Hunt, they haven't mentioned that yet. They do have a contingency program for, uh, you know, for 3D competition. But honestly, that's the first I've heard anybody mention something like that, and that's a great idea, you know. I mean, uh, I don't even know if that's been brought up yet. Um, you know, maybe that's something that Ken's brought up in the past or maybe not. But uh, I know uh, there was another bow company that were, that were with Train to Hunt, so maybe the opportunity wasn't there. But that's something worth bringing up for sure. You're a smart guy. I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> One second. So do you see uh, these hunter-athlete type competitions growing or your interest in them growing? I think so. I mean, from, from my point of view, I love them. I think they're awesome. I mean, um, I've done a few endurance events in the past, uh, uh, the Battle Frog OCR races, the uh, Green Beret Challenge, uh, the Go Ruck Challenges, which I guess that's probably how I got started in all this endurance stuff was through Go Ruck anyway. Uh, Go Ruck's gotten larger, but still there's something missing. And then when I saw the uh, advertising for Train to Hunt to begin with out on the western states, probably saw it on Rockslide Forum, I guess it was the first time, and uh, read about it. And I thought, you know, that's right up my alley right there. I could get motivated for something like that. And so I asked a few of my friends and all, and they all seemed to be really excited about the idea, but they just didn't want to travel. And, you know, it was a eight-and-a-half-hour drive to PA last year, but it was worth it. It wasn't even a bad drive. It was worth it to go up there, too. And... Um, it's a great looking area up through there that you get to drive to to get to. But uh, this year, with having a North Carolina event, archery in the southeast as far as 3D competition things is huge. And OCR racing is huge. Endurance events are huge. I just can't see how it won't be a great fit for the southeast. Um, this North Carolina event, I mean, I think it's going to be big. You know, PA was big too, but I think the North Carolina event will be really big. How uh, big do you think it'll be? Well, I mean, I personally know eight or ten of my friends in this area that are going to enter and uh, just, just that never done trained to hunt before. And so eight or ten new faces. And, uh, you know, of those eight or ten, I'm sure they all know a few people that might jump on the bandwagon when the time comes. But they all have bows. They've all shot 3D things, 3D competitions. But the biggest thing is they're already athletes. They already train and they already do you know, CrossFit or soft lead or, or both, or, uh, you know, they're ultra marathon, ultra marathon runners, that type thing. Uh, you know, 
Ruckers, you know, they do go ruck events. Uh, they're already doing that type of stuff, and they're looking at it the same as I am. Uh, that hey, this is a great idea. You know, wish it would have came around sooner. So um, I'm really hoping it'll be good. We've really tried to promote it in this area, and I know you know there's several people signed up already. But then I think you have your standard uh, core of competitors that are going to do it anyway, wherever it's at. Oh yeah, the repeat guys and stuff. Yeah, people who aren't afraid to travel a little bit to get to the event. Yeah. Myself, I think I'm going to – I'm definitely doing North Carolina May 13th, but I'm almost positive I'm going to do April 22nd in Texas, uh, one of the kickoff events. Nice. And, of course, I'll definitely be back in PA for sure. I mean, those guys up there at Ambridge, uh, Bill and all of them, I mean, that was a fun time up there. Great area. So Took you're going to make it – you're going to make it back to PA this year? I am, yeah, definitely, definitely. Nice, uh, very nice. So you're going to try to hit three of them. I am, yeah. I don't know if I'll get to do the Nationals or not. Uh, I'd like to, but I just don't know. I mean, that's getting kind of closer to hunting season, and some of my days off I might need to reserve for that, you know. <laughs> now, if, uh, say, they had Nationals on the East Coast, would that change things up for you? Absolutely, I'd be there on that one, absolutely. If I could drive less than – Eight, eight or nine hours, I'd be there. But if I have to fly and miss a day of work and things like that, and just the extra expense, I just, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would or not, you know. But uh, April, turkey season's going on here in, in South Carolina and North Carolina, both in April. But uh, still kind of cool here, you know. It'll be a lot nicer weather out in uh, April in Texas. I think that'll be a good place to kick off things at, you know, for me. Um, I actually have a plane ticket credit that I need to use, and I need to use it before the 1st of May, so that'll be right on time, you know. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> right on time. Which ones y'all are you planning on doing this year? Um, I think for sure try to hit Pennsylvania, and I don't know if I'll do more than that. I'd really like to make a trip out to do the Alpha bow hunting competition. So if I can, if I can make the two, I'd be pretty happy with that. Um. You know, I don't know if I qualify for nationals, if it would, if I'd go out or not. Just trip-wise, I think I'd rather save it for a hunting trip. You know? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of avenue I'm on. Definitely, that was the case this year. You know, I uh, I've got an antelope hunt planned in Wyoming, uh, August the nineteenth uh, coming up. So uh, I know I'm planning on going out there. It's after the nationals, I know, but still got to reserve that time away to go. Mm -hmm something around but uh tell me about the alpha bow hunter i know we talked about that a little bit but uh how does that work exactly so it's it's from what i understand talking to phil is you have a 3d course you shoot and i i'm not 100 percent sure but you might have to carry weight during that and you shoot that and based on how you do you then the top 20 percent of the male get put in what's called the alpha division and i think even if you don't make the alpha division you still get put in another like uh, consolation division, and right. you then go and you shoot head to head with another person. I think it's five or six targets, and you have to do some smaller physical challenges during that. And I think it takes around three minutes or so to do. So it's pretty interesting. A little more like three gun there, um, fast paced kind of sprint event. And uh, I know he's got some big prizes planned. He told me up to maybe a thousand dollars, at least for the person who finishes first, giving away like ten thousand or something like that total. 
and money to the top finishers, you know, throughout. So he's trying to, he's really working at it, trying to make it a big, big event. So I think it could be, you know, if I can go out and win that, it'd be worth buying the plane ticket. Absolutely, man. That sounds fun anyway, uh, especially all of it. Everything's in Colorado, right? Man, Colorado's hot. It's hot yeah. in the bow hunting world right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful state too, so it's a great place to go scenery-wise and everything. But uh, that three-gun competition style for archery, uh, kind of surprised that nobody's thought of that before, you know. I, I am a little bit too, but, you know, Phil's a bright guy, and I'm not surprised he's the one who came up with it as far as having, you know, head-to-head faster the way, you know, three-gun is. And, you know, I like that. I like shooting under pressure. I like having somebody else to go against, so... I think it'll do well. I think the format will do really well. I think he's got four events and then a uh, championship round, which you can even qualify for on that fourth fourth event the same day as the championship. So I think that might be the time I try to go is that last one, just try to make it, you know, throw my hat in the ring. Right. Yeah, that head-to-head archery uh, definitely is a new concept uh, at the start of the uh, Train to Hunt Challenge course last year uh, after we did the tire drag and ran over to the first target. I knocked an arrow, put my release on, and knocked my arrow off of my string, and it fell off my rest and bounced off my next competitor's tennis shoe beside me. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I got off to a rocky start right there. So, you know, you could try to be in a real hurry, but they uh, always say that uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I tried to get in too big a hurry. and uh, Exactly. Losing time. <laughs> but, I've been there. I uh, I think that's one thing you're going to see with the new train to hunt format, where guys have to come back. I think it's to the same area to shoot every time on that challenge course. It'll be a little more exciting, definitely more exciting for spectators. Yeah, that sounds good. That'll be spectator friendly for sure. I mean, that's a big deal there. That'll really help train to hunt and get promoted if you have a spectator friendly event. Oh, yeah. definitely. Uh, I know the, um, there was a shoot-up in PA last year that I went to in May that um, one of the professional shooters put on, the organization of professional archery, and uh, I got invited to shoot on a team with Mossy Oak up there, and just for the, uh, not as a competitor, but we competed against the other uh, national sponsors of the event, the other companies. Oh, so we nice. Had a, we had a five-person company team between each one, and... Um, so the biggest thing at that event was the fact that the pro shooters on day two had to shoot down and they had the, the stands and bleachers set up and a big crowd came in to watch the shoot down now they there were different targets along the way that they had you know spectators could sit and watch the, some of the pro shooters come through but the big thing was the shoot down at the end that drew a huge crowd mm-hmm. and, uh, to have the professional shooters up there where you could watch and something like the train to hunt you know most of the spectators from what I've seen are family members and friends, and that's probably still oh, yeah. going to be the case. But if you have an event where anyone can see who's going on, what's going on, if everybody shoots from the same spot for those first four arrows, then, uh, then that might draw a crowd and maybe get a few more competitors at the next event possibly. Exactly. Build that interest up just a little bit more. And it sounds like that's the case with the uh, Alpha Bowhunter also. If it's a three-gun style head-to-head competition, then... Uh, should be spectator friendly for sure, I would think. Oh yeah, and he's gonna have uh, DJ there, so the music will be pumping, kind of like a <laughs> great. If you ever did a CrossFit workout? It should be a pretty high energy party atmosphere, as far yeah. as that goes. Yeah, it sounds fun. 
and uh, so so that area, I guess, in Colorado, I mean, there should be uh, should be plenty of participants. I would think. I mean, they don't have to worry about like we talked about earlier of a hundred pound meat pack to have to deal with. So uh, they can't let that fake them out if they hadn't trained maybe as hard as they should have. They could still do an event like that. Oh yeah, I w- I would think so. I, that's and that's the thing, a little less training, maybe a little more inclusive. You know, it's not necessarily as big of a time commitment. So, you know, it definitely has some uh, attraction to it that way. I think there's no doubt that Train to Hunt is going to attract a few more competitors this year, too, with the new format. Even oh, I if think it's so. Because one-day events versus two-day events. Yeah, that's big because it's tough getting back, you know, on a Sunday. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to be a really tough guy to do a train to hunt event that we did last year all in one day I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, yeah you would after that meat pack i was glad to be able to go back to the motel room and regroup you know <laughs> <laughs> oh man your legs could certainly be hurting for that second day too yeah no doubt i really wasn't looking wouldn't have looked forward to have to go back out and do the challenge course after the meat pack last year so that'll help no doubt oh yeah for sure for sure well, Kenny, it has been a pleasure having you on the show tonight. Uh, before we get going, is there anything you want people to check out or they should know about? Uh, well, I don't know. Not really. I mean, if you're looking for a new bow, obviously, give the bow tech a try. But I'd say probably if people listen to this, they want to get into the hunter-athlete style of uh, that. And I would say just find a training program, whether it's Train Heroic or Soft Lead or, uh, you know, even Train to Hunt's program, uh, Get into that. It'll really help you in the long run. There you go. And don't forget, check out our fine sponsors, Mountain Ops. You can head on over to mountainops.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and get yourself 20% off supplements. And you can go to mavenbuilt.com with your order, enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout, and get yourself some free Maven swag. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Natural Born Hunter podcast. Wake up. Chase your dreams. Repeat.